Genesis chapter 36. And it's a difficult passage to read because there's a lot of difficult names to pronounce. And, uh, but we'll read at least part of it this morning in Genesis chapter 36. Now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and Aholabamah, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite, and Bashemoth, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nabajoth. And Ada bare to Esau Eliaphaz, and Bashemoth bare Rule, Aholabamah, uh, bare Jesh, Jalem, and Korah. These are the sons of Esau, which were born unto him in the land of Canaan. And Esau took him wives, and his sons, and his daughters, and all the persons of his house, and his cattle, and all the beasts, and all this substance, which he had got in the land of Canaan, and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. For their riches were more than that, that they might dwell together, and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle." Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir, Esau is Edom. And these are the generations of, Jesh, of, of Esau, the father of the Edomites, in Mount Seir. These are the names of Esau's son, sons, Eliphaz, the son of Adah, the wife of Esau, Ruel, the son of Bashemoth, the wife of Esau. And the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omer, Zipho, and Gatim, and, and Kenez. And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the sons of Ada, Esau's wife. And these are the sons of Ruel, Nahath, and Jerah, and Shammah, and Mizah. These were the sons of Bashemoth, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of, of Aholabamah, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, Esau's wife. And she bare to Esau Jeish, and Jalem, and Korah. These were dukes of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau, Duke Teman, Duke Omar, Duke Zepho, Duke Kenaz, Duke Korah, Duke Gatim, Duke Amalek. These are the dukes that came of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Adah. And these are the sons of Ruel, Esau's son, Duke Nahath, Duke Zerah, Duke Shammah, Duke Mizah. These are the dukes that came of Ruel in the land of Edom, these are the sons of Bashemoth, Esau's wife. And these are the sons of Aholabamah, Esau's wife, Duke Jesh, Duke Jalem, Duke Korah. These were the dukes that came of Aholabah, the daughter of Anna, uh, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Esau, who is Edom, and these are their dukes. And then he goes on to tell about the sons of the Horite, of Seir the Horite. They were the inhabitants of the land to which Esau was going to go. Now, I'm not going to read all those names. They also are difficult. But let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you today for the privilege to share your word. This is an unusual passage, Lord, and we need your grace and your help to preach from it. Help us to learn the lessons that we need to learn as we look at Esau. We thank you, Lord, for everyone who's here. We pray for those who could not be here for various reasons that you might meet their needs today. Help us to be attentive to your word. If there's one here that's not saved, may today be the day of salvation for them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The account before us today tells of Esau and some of his descendants. 
It lists the names of his wives, his sons, and several of his grandsons. His grandsons are referred to as dukes, which means chiefs. I guess you could say of this family, if they've ever had a family feud, they would duke it out. (laughs) The chapter also lists, beginning in verse 20, the sons and grandsons of Seir, the Horite. These were the people who lived in the land of Seir, where Esau and his family moved when they left Canaan. There is evidence that Esau's family intermarried with the people of Seir. Eventually, the area was known as Edom, which is the nickname for Esau, which means red. And uh, because of assimilation and probably also because of conquest. So it seems like that Esau's family assimilated with these, these people, but also did some conquests. We find that from Deuteronomy chapter 2. It says in verse 5, God said, I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for possession. And then verse 12 says, The Horams also dwelt in Seir beforehand, but the children of Esau seceded them when they destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their stead, as Israel did unto the land of his possession when the Lord gave it unto them. So there was some conflict as well with Esau and his family and these these, uh, Horites. And uh, so they became... Uh, This area became known after Esau. An interesting event is mentioned in the the list of Seir's son. We find it in verse 24. Look at verse 24. It says this. That was Anna that found the mules in the wilderness as he fed the asses of Zibion, his father. What an unusual thing to read in the midst of this list of all these names. This was the man that found the mules in the wilderness. This is the first mention of mules in the Bible. And it might be because this was when they were first discovered. A mule mule is a usually sterile hybrid animal produced by a cross between a male donkey and a female horse. And this shows us that God really knows everything about all of us. (laughs) You know, when I first read this, I thought, that'd be a terrible thing to be known at. You know, you live your whole life, and the only thing people know you for is that you found some mules in the wilderness. (laughs) But then I thought, no, that's not what God is trying to say. Or God God doesn't try to say anything. God says it. (laughs) That's not what God is saying. Uh, God is pointing out to us that he knows that detail. And God said, this is the guy that found the mules. (laughs) Now, in those days, it was probably significant that he found mules. Maybe they didn't know of mules before, and they discovered these, and they've been used ever since, you know. I can remember as a kid, uh, us having a mule. (laughs) And I can remember some kids that lived out down in Kings Mills. They lived on what we call Fountain Square down the lower part out of Kings. And they came up to to our house, and and they fed our mule a pencil. And that mule ate the pencil. (laughs) And uh, I don't know why I remember that, but I do. But mules are a different animal. Well, this is the first mention of them. But maybe as God is recording this to say, you know, I know everything about all of you. I even know that this guy is the guy who discovered the mules. <laughs> See, God knows everything about you as well. He knows everything about us because people are important to God. But this morning, we want to center our attention upon the man Esau. If Esau lived today, he would be considered a man's man. He would be popular because he was was successful in in many ways. He had a large family, 
and he was very wealthy. We find that in verses 6 and 7 of uh, chapter 36. It says, And Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his house, and his cattle, and his beasts, and all his substance, which he had gotten in the land of Canaan, and he went into the country of the fa- into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. For their riches were more than they might dwell together, and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. So he was a successful uh, rich man. He was an outdoorsman who was very skilled in hunting. We found that from the account of uh, he, and, he and Jacob in their, in their early life. He probably had a great personality. He was a happy-go-lucky kind of guy who enjoyed the pleasures of life. He was loved by his dad, and he became a leader of men. You see, as time progressed, he was so influential. He was so influential that the land which he migrated to became known. It was named after him. And they called it no longer Seir. They called it Edom, which means, which means red, which was a reference to Esau. So there are many people like Esau today. They have become successful and influential. Many hold them in high esteem, and they seem to have all that they could want. Yet they are missing the most important thing, and that is they do not know God. Have you ever been envious of a person who was maybe an unbeliever, but they had so much? Don't ever be envious of them. I think of the account that illustrates that. Uh, I remember I probably told you this before, but when I was a kid, I heard this illustration. And there was this guy who, who um, was rich, had all kinds of wealth. And his desire was when he finally came to the time that he died, that he'd be buried in his Cadillac. And they'd prop him up. They'd sit him in the seat of his Cadillac. And they put a big cigar in his mouth. And that would be the procession going down the streets, you know, and they would bury his Cadillac with him in it. The story goes that as he died and he was going down the street, sitting in his Cadillac with a big cigar in his mouth, and there was a drunk laying in the gutter beside. And he rolled over, he heard the, the noise of going by, and he looked up and he said, man, that's living. <laughs> well, sometimes we look at people and say, man, that's living, but it's not. Just like Esau, he would have been a popular guy when we thought he had it all. But he was missing something that was most important, and that is he did not know God. He put all his emphasis on the here and now, and he never considered eternity. There's many times today that people do the same thing. They put all their emphasis on the material. They put all their emphasis on themselves and all of that. They have many pursuits. They have many things. They They have... the, uh, the uh, friendship of many people, but they do not know God, and therefore they are eternally bankrupt when they die and go out into eternity. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 says, God described uh, Esau as a profane man. This Esau we read about in chapter 36, and all his descendants, the Bible says in Hebrews 16 that he was a profane man. That means he was unconsecrated. Spiritual things didn't mean anything to him. He was ungodly. He was godless. God didn't have any part in his life. He never considered God. He never talked about God. He never recognized God. He just thought about his things and his accomplishments. He was one who put no value in spiritual things. That was Esau. 
He was a profane man. So let's consider this morning some things about Esau as we look at this chapter, as well we look at the Acts, not so much the chapter, but the life of Esau. I'm going to consider three things. First of all, the events in Esau's life that reveal his true character. And then the evidence that Esau never changed. And then the end of Esau. Let's start with the events in Esau's life that revealed his character. Who is this man that's described as profane? Profane Esau. Well, first of all, we see him in the, in the account of the selling of his birthright. The account goes in chapter 25 that Esau came in from hunting. And he had been had a long day, and he was tired, and he was hungry. And his brother Jacob was fixing a, a pot of soup. And uh, he came to Jacob and he said, feed me with that red pottage. It was red in color. That's where he got his name Edom, which means red. So he was called red the rest of his life after this account. He he said, sell me this day. And and Jacob said, well, you can have some of this, but you sell me thy birthright. And then Esau answered like this. He said, behold, I'm at the point of to die. Have you ever been there, you, you're hungry, and you say, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm famished, I'm about to die. Well, you, you're really not. I mean, you, most of us, you look at him, we've still got a belly on us, and we could do without a few meals. But he felt that way, he hunted all day, and he was tired, and he says, I'm about to die, I'm at the point of death, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? What profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob knew that he was about to sell it, and he said, swear to me. And he swore to him. And then after it was all done, he gave him the pottage. He ate that bowl of soup. He had given up his birthright. Then the Lord ends the account in verse 34 and says, thus Esau despised his birthright. God said he looked at spiritual things, and he despised them. There was no value to it. There was no interest in the blessings of Abraham's covenant. He had no desire for that. He knew that involved spiritual responsibilities and all of that in the family. Uh, He wasn't interested in that. He was a man of the world, and uh, he had what he needed. He just needed right then some some soup, and uh, you can have the birthright. I just need some soup. And he gave it up, and the Bible says he despised his birthright. The next event that shows his character is when he married the two Canaanite women. The Bible tells us in chapter 26, verses 34 and verse 35, that he married two Canaanite women. He saw no problem of marrying these heathen women. They were not God-fearing people. They were idolatrous people. They were idol worshipers. They were people of the land. They were not believers. They were the wrong kind of people for, for Esau. And they should not have been added to him as, as a wife. He should not have taken, we should have only taken one, but he took two. But he married ungodly women, and he shouldn't have done that. It reveals his character. You see, Abraham had gone to great lengths to keep that from happening to Isaac. You remember he sent his servant to look for a bride for Isaac because I do not want him marrying a Canaanite woman. Well, what uh, he had heard about Abraham didn't mean anything to him. He looked at these women and he probably thought, wow, they are good looking. They are good looking. And that's probably all he thought about. And he married those two Canaanite women. You see, the satisfaction of his desires 
were more important than pleasing God or obeying God. He lived for the moment. He lived for himself. He lived to satisfy himself. He was a profane man. The next event that shows his character is the seeking of Isaac's blessing. Years later, after he'd given up the, the birthright, at the end, the Isaac was going to give the blessing. And this involved things associated with the birthright as well, probably. And uh, he knew that he was not supposed to get that. He had probably been told by, by his dad what God had told him, that uh, the, uh, the elder shall serve the younger. He probably knew that. And maybe after giving up the birthright, he realized, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that, but uh, I know that God said uh, Jacob's going to be uh, prominent in the, in the family. He's going to be the one through whom the covenant goes. He knew that, and he probably knew that Isaac was rebelling against God when he tried to give it to, to Esau anyway. You see, Isaac knew all about it. Isaac knew that Esau was not supposed to get the blessing, but he was going to give it to him anyway in rebellion against God. So Esau is teaming up with Isaac in rebellion against God, seeking that blessing. And, of course, we don't justify what Jacob did to get the blessing, but, Isaac, but Esau was wrong. And, that, and then when he was, then when he was uh, cheated out of it, so to speak, by the deception of Jacob, he got real mad. Again, he's operating on impulse. And he got real mad and says, I am going to kill my brother. And so this showed the character of Esau. He might have been well-liked by many people. He might have been considered a successful man and all that. But his character was flawed, and we see that at this time in his life. And then the seeking of Isaac's blessing uh, at the end was, um, was something that uh, caused him to be, as I said, angry. And because of that, he was uh, disqualified for blessing from the Lord as well as other things. But then, then he married somebody else, and that was Ishmael's daughter. Isaac married Ishmael's daughter. Now, Isaac knew that long before God had rejected Ishmael. Isaac knew, rather Esau knew, that God had rejected Ishmael. And that uh, uh, Ishmael was not the promised one, that Isaac was. And he knew that and knew that the covenant blessings would not go for, through, through him. But why did he marry an, uh, somebody from Ishmael's family? The Bible says why. He did it to gain favor with his mom and dad. That's why. He knew that they were displeased. He knew that they were sending Jacob off to get a wife. And so he thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to please him. I'm going to marry somebody in the family, which was extended. But Ishmael's daughter, he never gave thought to what it was going to cause problems his family when he added another wife. He never gave thought to any of those things. Only thing he was thinking about was what I want, and that is I want mom and dad to be pleased with me. So he acted in impulse, and he married another woman. It just reveals again the character of, of Esau. So that's the things in his life, the events that took place in his life, that we know what his character was. But let's notice the evidence that, that Esau never changed. You see, he never changed from that kind of man. His sons and grand, grandsons, from this account, we find out that they also 
intermarried with these Horites. They intermarried with the, the people of the land of Seir. And uh, so they were disobeying God as well. What were they doing? They were doing what dad did. <laughs> they were following the example of their dad. And so he didn't really change. He's still the same man. And his descendants then became enemies of, of uh, Israel. Now, Jacob was Israel, and all those descending from Jacob were Israelites. And those who descended from uh, Esau became, had this hatred. Evidently, Esau, even though when he met Isaac, when he met Jacob, there was a good reunion, and he kissed him, and he seemed to forgive him. But seemingly down in his heart, there was festering this hatred, and he never got over it, and he passed it on to his family. And they became enemies of Israel. Now, we know that because Edom was the enemy of, of Israel. The Bible tells us in verse 13 of this passage that uh, these are the sons of rule. Let's see. No, it's, no, it's verse 12. And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare Eliphaz Amalek. You remember Amalek? The Amalekites? <laughs> The Amalekites were enemies to the children of Israel. Well, this, this, was, this started with Esau's family, and so this hatred of the Israelites followed on down, and one of his descendants from Amalek, they became great enemies of the children of Israel. And so Moses, the Bible tells in Exodus chapter 17 that Moses had a conflict with Amalek. And that is, Amalek attacked the children of Israel. Now, we're told in Deuteronomy 25 the way they attacked. The children of Israel were coming up out of Egypt, and, the, Am and the, those, the Amalekites attacked them, and they attacked them from the rear, and they attacked the feeble people first. And then God said later, he says, it's a terrible thing what, what uh, the Amalekites did, and because of that, I'm going to judge them. And so God did that. You remember the, Malik, the battle that took place is recorded in Exodus. And that's the battle when uh, Moses was praying and his hands were held up like this. And the Bible says as long as his hands were held up praying to the Lord, the, the battle went toward the Israelites. When he got tired and his hands fell down, the, the battle went to the Amalekites. And so Aaron and Hur got on both, one on each side of him and they held his hands up as he was praying, and the Israelites won the battle against the Amalekites. These Amalekites came from Esau. The Bible also tells us in, in Ezekiel chapter 35, if you'll turn there with me, it tells some things about the descendants of Esau, which was Edom. And it says in verse 1 of Ezekiel 35, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir, and prophesy against it. And say unto it, Thus saith the Lord God, O thou Mount Seir, I am against thee, for I will stretch out mine hand against thee. I will make thee most desolate. I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord, because thou hast had a perpetual hatred. Wonder where that came from. It started with Esau. And thou hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time of their iniquity, had an, when their, that their iniquity had an end. And so the Lord says, I'm going to judge uh, these, these people of Edom from Mount, of Mount Seir because they turned against the children of Israel. 
If you'll turn your Bibles to the book of Obadiah, it comes uh, right after jo- Amos. Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. And uh, the book of Obadiah is written about Edom and God judging upon them. And notice what it says in verse 10. Here's why God is going to judge them. He says, For thy violence against thy brother Jacob shall, co- shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even, was, even thou wast as one of them. So you saw it happen when they came in and took your brethren, your brethren, uh, those from Jacob, off into captivity, and you watched it. You didn't do anything about it. And thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day of, that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. And so he's telling them, you shouldn't have acted the way you did. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Thou thou shouldest not have looked upon their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossways to cut off those of his that did escape. Thou shouldest... Thou, neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. So the Edomites, descendants of Esau, stood and watched people ransack Jerusalem, and they even helped out. And then people who were escaping Jerusalem, the Israelites escaping, they reported them and to the enemy so that they were not able to escape. And then they went in and plundered the 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 um, things that were left from the children of Israel. And he said, because you've done this, I'm going to judge you. And sure enough, Edom has been judged, and there are no Edomites today. There are no Edomites today. Now, in Isaiah chapter 10 tells us that there is some evidence that at the end, there will be a nation of Edom, and and the children of Israel will have dominion over them. But uh, right now, there there are no known Edomites and so the Lord did judge them. And so his descendants show that he really never changed. Because in chapter 36, he seems to go off the scene. And the last we hear about him, and uh, so, but he never really changed. Now look at the end of Esau. The end of Esau, no events of Esau's life are recorded after Genesis 36. Uh, you find no record of his events in his life. The only it says, thing it says, and there are several occasions where it says the children of, e, of Esau, Mount of Esau, the house of Esau, or a reference to Esau and Jacob, but not to his life after this particular point. He leaves the Bible scene as an unchanged man. He comes to his end as an unchanged man. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 16 says that he was a fornicator and a profane person. A fornicator. It adds that detail. We don't find that in in Genesis 36 or the life of Esau. We find that he married more than one woman, but he's called a fornicator. So he was a loose living guy. 
And uh, he lived for himself. He was a fornicator and he was a profane person. And there's no evidence of ever changing. So he came to his end as a profane person. And Hebrews 12, 17 says this of Esau. When he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He never repented and turned to God. He just wanted the blessing for himself. He came to a place where he desired the blessing. He tried to get uh, Isaac to change his mind, to repent, and he couldn't. And, and he wouldn't. And so Esau seemed, didn't, had no uh, ability or a desire to change and to repent of his sins or anything like that. He just wanted the blessing. Again, same old guy, just wanting what he wanted. And he was rejected, the Bible says. Rejected means disapproved. It means disqualified. God says, no. There are so many people today like Esau. They think they can, they're okay because they're satisfying their desires. They have what they want and they're happy. They're like Esau. Don't you know people like that? I mean, you look at the world today, there's all kinds of people like that. Successful people, wealthy people, people having a good time, people enjoying themselves, people having a family around them, and they have seemingly a good family. They don't want to go to church. They don't think they need to go to church. They don't want anything to do with God. And God, if he, he would tell us what they were, we might say, wow, those are nice people. But God says, profane, profane. And because they're profane, they're like Esau, they're rejected. You see, if you don't have Jesus, then you really don't have what you need. And you can be like Esau and everybody think you're a great guy. And so many people like that. But they don't have God and they're not interested in him. I talk to people sometimes who tell me that when I invite them to the church, they'll say, well, Sunday's my only day off. <laughs> what are they saying? It's about me. It's about me. That's the day I need. That's the day I want to do this and I want to do that. God is out of the picture. They're profane. They have no, no interest in spiritual things. They don't want God in their life. They don't think they need God in their life. But the sad thing about it is they come to the end of the life and they're rejected. There's some religious people like that who go about the forms of religion but they truly don't know Jesus, and they're really not interested in uh, coming to know him as their Savior. They're not interested in being born again and truly trusting Jesus. The Bible describes those people in Matthew chapter 7, and they come to the end, and they stand before the Lord, and they say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have we not cast out devils? In thy name have we not done many wonderful works. And the Lord will say unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Being good and not having Jesus is iniquity. Being good and thinking you're good enough to get to heaven like Esau probably thought he was. He thought he was good enough to be accepted, but he didn't have the Lord. He didn't know the Lord. And the Bible says he was rejected. Jesus once said, without me you can do nothing. And the greatest thing that you cannot do without Jesus 
is you cannot go to heaven. You cannot go to heaven without Jesus. But many like Esau will take uh, a chance with their soul. And they will, in the end, they will find that they are rejected. What a sad thing. Luke chapter 12, verse 20 says, This rich man, he had a lot of goods. And his crops were producing. And he says, what am I going to do? And they, oh, I said, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. And I'm going to build greater. And I'm going to fill my barns with all these possessions. Then I'll sit back and take ease and say, soul, take thou ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And what did the Lord say? Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be? You're going to leave, and guess what you're going to leave behind? All of it. And you'll be like Esau, profane, ungodly, not interested in spiritual things. And like Esau, rejected, rejected of the Lord. You remember the rich man in Luke 16? The Bible says there was a rich man who fared sumptuously every day. At everything his heart could desire. People on the outside looked at him and thought, wow, he's successful. Look at him. He has everything that he could desire. And he lacks nothing. But then the Bible says he died. And he lifted up his eyes in torment. Tormented in the fires of hell. Because he left out the most important thing. And that is, he left out the Lord. And because of it, when the end came, he was rejected rejected, just like Esau. You see, Esau was a loser. I titled the message, Esau, the profane loser. And he was. He was a godless man, and he ended up being a loser. And if you gamble with your soul, if you go through life thinking that just because you're comfortable, just because you have what you, what you think you need, and you don't need the Lord, then you will end your life and you'll be like the rich man who died. You'll leave everything behind and then you'll go out into eternity lost forever and ever and ever and it never will change. It never will change. There'll be no, no opportunity to change afterwards. You cannot repent and believe on Jesus afterwards. You'll believe, but it'll be too late and you will be rejected. So the important thing is to know that Jesus is the way to heaven. Without him, you cannot go there. And if you know, and most of you know Jesus as your Savior, there might be somebody here who doesn't. And if you don't, you need to understand that when you die, you'll be rejected, just like Esau. Thank the Lord Jesus died for our sins, paid the price on Calvary, shed his blood, and then rose from the grave on the third day, and he says, it's all paid. All you have to do is believe and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Repent, believe, trust the Lord, and you can go to heaven someday. I don't want to be rejected. I'm not going to be rejected. How do I know that? Because I have Jesus, and God will not reject Jesus, and I'm in Christ, and he will not reject me. Will you be rejected? I hope you won't. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for helping us learn from Esau. Lord, I pray that none of us will be a profane loser like Esau was. 
Help us realize, Lord, the value of things compared to eternal things. There really is no value. Help us to know that, Lord, and to live our lives to please you, not to please ourselves. If there's somebody here not saved, bring them to the Savior today, we ask in Jesus' name.